most Dutch people are comfortable speaking English. But have you ever been in a situation where your American business partner, teammate or employee doesn't respond the way you expected them to respond? Or perhaps they never even get back to you? All of this leaves you wondering what you may have said, written or done to annoy or possibly offend them. I sort of felt um, like embarrassed for my Dutch comrades that they were not doing better at um, at selling th themselves. Welcome to the Dutch American Connection, the podcast for Dutch entrepreneurs, expats, and anyone who does business in the USA. In this podcast, I interview experts in various aspects of doing business in America, as well as Dutch entrepreneurs who work with Americans. We discuss their experiences and expertise through the lens of cultural differences. I am your host, Annette van der Velds. I'm an intercultural coach and trainer and the founder of the Dutch American Connection. I'm here with Suzanne Vine, and Suzanne was my son's fourth and fifth grade teacher here in New Jersey in the United States. And in the middle of uh, fifth grade, she announced that she and her husband were moving to Amsterdam, which, of course, made me very excited and very happy for her. And throughout her five-year tenure in Amsterdam, we kept in touch and we had wonderful conversations about the use of English in the Netherlands. And that is something um, Suzanne can tell about her experience as an American living in Amsterdam and reading the English translations by the Dutch. Uh, so Suzanne, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, so what was your experience as a teacher, a teacher who is very focused on uh, language? What was your experience as an American in the Netherlands? Well, I, I have to say I was extremely grateful for how uh, many Dutch people spoke English and spoke it so well. Um, and uh, that, unfortunately, I think led many Americans to feel that they didn't need to learn how to speak Dutch. Um, but, you know, the longer that I was there, the more that I started to realize that there were often, even among people that seemed um, fluent in English or thought they were fluent, there were definitely some uh, differences and some, well, should I say as a teacher, mistakes that I would often see. Yeah. Uh, for example, on uh, restaurant menus, um, and these were just little things, you know, but we would laugh about it, that um, dinner was spelled diner, uh, <laughs> and things were, you know, misspelled. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you could say at a restaurant, who, who cares if it's misspelled, you know, that might happen in an American restaurant, you know, in New York City. Right. Um, where I started to notice it uh, as being more of an issue would be, for example, when I was at the Rijksmuseum and a um, description of a painting in English had uh, not just spelling mistakes, but sort of grammatical mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, hmm, 
surely the Rijks Museum would have somebody who would be um, uh, would understand the nuances of English to know that that should not be on the uh, explanation card mm -hmm. at a major international museum. And did you speak to somebody at the museum and offer your English uh, talents? Well, I do. I remember when that happened, and then you and I were corresponding, and you kind of gave me uh, gave me a little push and said, you know, you should speak up about that. I did actually email someone, sort of figure out who was the person I could reach out to. Right. I took a picture of a, a, an example, but you know, it's not to say that that was the only time I had seen that. But I did want to show them what I was talking about. And I sent that on. Uh, I also, um, underneath it, rewrote the description how it should have been written. Right. Um, just to give them sort of an example that it looked as if someone had translated directly from Dutch yeah. instead of written it in a way that a a native English speaker would uh, write it. Right. Um, and then I never heard back from anybody. <laughs> so um, I guess I took from that, that it was not that important to them, or perhaps it just didn't get into the right hands. But um, to me, it was an important issue. Um, but I guess... Um, you know, maybe in the grand scheme of things, they didn't see it as important. Why was it important to you? Well, I think, you know, like you say, it's a, it's a major international tourist destination and you have people from around the world coming to this museum. I guess, you know, at that point, I sort of felt um, like embarrassed for my Dutch comrades that they were not doing better at um, at selling th themselves uh, and showing their best uh, their best work sort of like I would say to a fourth grader is that your best work and if it's not your best work then let's make it into your best work so I guess that's how I felt like this could be better why would we not want it to be world caliber the way the artwork is. I, I love it. So it doesn't reflect on the quality of the artwork. Have you heard from any other Americans how what, uh, what their reaction was to this? Yes. You know, it's interesting because um, someone else in my American uh, book group yeah. said the same thing. Oh, my gosh, it bothers me so much when I go to a museum and I see that things are translated, but they're not written well. Right. Um, and so I think that that difference between, you know, and it's sort of the problem when you use Google Translate. Um, and if I'm, say, standing in Amsterdam at the dry cleaner and I put something into Google Translate and I say it to the dry cleaner, she might look at me like, what are you saying? Because Google Translate is just translating words, but it's not necessarily saying something the way a Dutch person would say. 
And that's sort of what it seemed to me that some of the signage, not just in the Rijksmuseum, but elsewhere, that, that was sort of the problem. Right, right. Translating or uh, speaking, talking is not the same thing as communicating. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had an interesting experience like that this summer. Uh, my daughter and I were at an amusement park and there was a big sign there. Um, it said, uh, Parkeerkaarten bij de klantenservice, which they translated to parking tickets at customer service. And my daughter, having been born and raised in the U.S., was like, a parking ticket at customer service? That doesn't make sense. Um, but to me, with my Dutch-English brain, I didn't, I didn't, like, what do you mean doesn't make sense? Because I literally translated, like, oh, yeah, your parking card, you can pick it up at customer service. But parking ticket is a parkeerboete. It's like the fine you pay. And it's funny how uh, her brain was totally American wired and she couldn't imagine why you want a parking ticket because you have to pay for that. And my Dutch brain immediately translated it to like, what's the problem with that? Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's very funny how like those things probably don't bother the Dutch uh, because they translate it and it makes total sense. But to somebody who doesn't speak Dutch, it's gibbly gibb. How about um, Dutch websites? Do you find Dutch websites that are in English, but you know have the .nl? Do you find those different from American websites to navigate them? Um, I, you know, I remember that, um, I just remember it taking me hours when we first moved there to even be able to fill out a form on a Dutch website because every once in a while, the the word that you needed to know like instead of saying fill in your information it would say invula and you you know if you didn't know any dutch you would say well what is that what am i <laughs> supposed to do here um uh it would be as if uh you know when you when you tried to call um say the gas company mm -hmm. And they would say toots ain for English. And you, what does that mean? You yeah. know, so sort of like the basic pre-information to even understand how to fill in a website. Yeah. Often they would forget that needs to be clear and in English. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think it's almost like you have to give that to uh, someone who has no Dutch skills for them to be able to show you where are those moments where if you don't speak Dutch, you don't know what to do. Uh, and um, yeah, many of my friends would just say, no, I don't, I don't, I can't use Dutch websites because of those little glitches where even though they said this The, the, you can fill this in in English, but then some of the directions would be in Dutch. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the things as I was helping my children settle at university, one of the things that they didn't understand is, you know, they ha would have to go to websites and it would ask for, um, uh, I think it's called Tussenvoegsel, like my name is Van Der. So I would write Van Der in one area and Feltz in the other. And my kids were like, what do we write there? They didn't understand that Feltz is 
the real last name and Vander is just something. And so even though the website was in English, they didn't know what to put in there. And it's such a normal thing for us Dutch people, but for non-Dutch, um, most countries don't have that from there. So yes. it's, um, yeah, and they forget that in translating the websites that... Uh, Another thing which I've noticed is um, all your electricity bills and all your bills are with your initials. There will never be an electricity bill for Annette van der Velds. It's always uh, Mrs. A. van der Velds. And, um, and that's something, um, you know, my Dutch clients who move to the U.S., they have great trouble proving their identity with their Dutch documents because it doesn't contain their first name. It just contains their initial. Yes, yes. And, and is that something you've noticed? Oh, yes. Yes. I, it's all coming back to me now. Like <laughs> the, the amount of time puzzling over these things and trying to use Google Translate. I kind of remember also that some of the address forms would say plots. Okay. And it was like, what? I don't know. Is that the city? Is that the what is that? And <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Just simple things like filling out a form are so different between the Netherlands and the US. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you mentioned that Dutch people uh, speak English very well, but um, have you noticed any differences in how they use English? Um, like, for example, uh, swear words? Or well, I... Uh... I definitely noticed um, more swear words in advertisements right on the front of stores. And I know somebody explained to me that in another language, for, it just doesn't sound as bad. Um, so, but I was quite surprised in our very sort of posh neighborhood in Oudzout to see at... Um, Christmas time in a, a Christmas display where all the clothing was red, very expensive clothing. And then in beautiful script written on the window. Yeah. Can I say? <laughs> uh, maybe just the first letter. Okay. So much effing red, but <laughs> it had the whole word there. And it <laughs> It was just, you know, I'd seen it before on stores like, uh, you know, a cafe that sold, you know, coffee and uh, baked goods, appealing more to a young crowd. But this was, that was sort of a, a wake up call to me. Okay, they really don't understand that you would not put that on the front of your store in a store that's sort of catering to, uh, you know, middle-aged women, women of a certain age. So, yeah, I, I, I found that to be interesting, you know, and I, I did um, learn that cursing in Dutch has more to do with wishing diseases on people rather than individual words yes. <laughs> but it just seemed to me sort of an example of um would you not reach out to a colleague who might be a native english speaker and just say can i run this past you how does this sound and then somebody would say to you no no you, that would no 
Um, so, you know, whether it is um, uh, at, at the Rikes Museum or on a store, just it's, it always seemed to me that that the fact that the Dutch are fluent in English, they've grown up watching TV shows, listening to music that's in English might um, keep them in some ways from thinking they need that last step of checking in to say, what do you think of this? And to have somebody, you know, maybe, I don't know, is it, is it sort of a sign of weakness? Like, oh, I'm having to ask the teacher for help. Right. Uh, but to me, it's just sort of that next step in a language that you haven't grown up with. Yeah. that you need to, to get that nuance from somebody who did grow up with it. Right. But I think you mentioned it, that like it's so fluent, they, or they're so fluent that they don't realize that they're missing these nuances. And they don't know that it's not appropriate for the foreigners there. And it's like the store, the athlete's foot, foot um, where you can buy sneakers. Um, <laughs> For those listeners who don't know, athlete's foot is a is a yeast or it's an infection of your foot. So uh, basically, the store, the sneaker store, is named after an infection on your foot. Not very appetizing, not very appealing. And I'm thinking somebody must have pointed that out to them. And all these years, somebody must have you know written a letter to them and said, "This isn't really yeah appealing." Yes, it's it's always been like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And so how about humor? Um, does humor translate? Can you just translate Dutch humor to English word for word? Well, you know, I think that humor might be sort of the, the highest level in terms of language understanding. You know, it, it's because there is so much, it's both nuance of the language and how you grew up. I think it's, it sort of might explain why many Americans think that the French humor is kind of silly or <laughs> when I first got to the Netherlands, someone said the term Dutch humor is an oxymoron. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's sort of, you know, what you find funny is so much a part of what your culture is, how you grew up. Um, so I think that, um, and so much of, of humor has to do with sort of idioms. And so I, I don't think it translates word for word. I think it's very hard to understand why something is so funny uh, in another language, yeah. So you wouldn't recommend companies to use humor in in their marketing if, you know, unless they get like an expert who can point out that, you know, you, this is how you can translate it. But I guess. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's that old thing of if you have to sit there and explain a joke, it's really not that funny. Yeah. So, you know, it either you get it or you don't. So I guess I would say that um, those sorts of inside jokes yeah. for an international company might not be a good idea because they require so much explanation that 
the joke is sort of lost by right. the time you've explained it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I find that the Dutch are very sarcastic. Mm. And um, that, uh, you know, that does not, is not appreciated here in the United States, sarcasm. They don't get it. They think you're being serious. Um, it's um, it's very difficult to make that distinction. Like, is this real or is this sarcasm? Yes. And I could see how, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of an example. I know that one time an American friend uh, who was married to a, a Dutch man, she went to a party and somebody said to her something like, oh, you look great. You're not as heavy or as fat as you, as you were last year at And no one could figure out, was that an example of Dutch directness or was that Dutch humor or what was going on? (laughs) No, that was a well-meant compliment. That was a genuine compliment. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she had a hard time finding uh, the compliment inside there because, of course, all she heard was, oh, my gosh, I looked fat at last year's parties (laughs) right but what this person meant to say is wow you've lost a lot of weight (laughs) it's funny how one sentence can be interpreted completely differently (laughs) please email your friend and tell her this was a genuine compliment (laughs) did you notice any differences in dutch commercials or or uh, advertisements things that you were like oh we would never use that in the u.s or we would never sell something that way in the u.s Oh, I can't think of the commercial, but I remember that there was much more skin, more nudity in the commercial that, and we just would never have a commercial like that. And I want to say that it was in like a major sporting event that we were watching. Um, It wasn't, it couldn't have been a world cup, but in any event, I remember thinking whether it was for like men's deodorant or something, but like they were in bed and, you know, there was a lot of skin showing. And I just <laughs> thought, no, that would, we would never do that in the U.S. All right. Yeah. So one last question. Um, can you just translate Dutch to English word for word? Uh, no, no, definitely not. I think that, just, you know, the, the first thing that leaps out of my head is the word order is so is can be so different. I mean, obviously not in every sentence, but that that also leads to the issues that I would see in written English. Like it is much, it seems to me much more common to use the passive voice right. in Dutch writing Um Whereas in English, although we, it's not that we never use it, but it's just sort of like you, even in, you know, to my fourth grade writers, we, we want things to be more active. So it's sort of often considered bad writing to be constantly writing in passive rather than an active voice. Whereas in Dutch, that's not the case. And, um, so I think that, well, I know my husband notices that in his work life, dealing with lawyers and much longer sentences too in Dutch, whereas in English, it's just, you know, 
we're kind of taught don't have these sentences that go on forever and ever. But I think just if you try to just word for word translate, I think it's uh, it would not make sense if I just took each Dutch word and changed it into English. Yeah. Um, I think that would nobody would understand what I was saying if I took an English sentence, translated to Dutch, and then tried to walk into a restaurant and say something. Um, yeah, I think that although some of the words might be similar, yeah, you know, just because of our shared uh, language heritage, uh, the actual sentence structures are so different that I think that leads to a lot of difference in terms of how we construct sentences and uh, words. We don't tend to have those giant words uh, right. in English that they have in Dutch. Like some of those words were like sentences. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we like to squash all the words together. Compound words, you know, you squash yeah. them all together. Yeah. I love those giant words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you just give one example of a passive and an active uh, voice? Um, so, okay, let's, let me think. Like if I said, I moved the books to the side of the desk. Yeah. Um, I moved the books. Um, and then passive would be, the books were moved to the side of the desk. Um, and I feel like, um, well, in that case, they do mean slightly different things, but I do just much more often see in Dutch that um, where, whether we're using verden, vorden, um, mm -hmm. we're, we're using that passive construction much more often than we do in English. Or if, if I see it in English, I would tell a writer, let's try and fix that and make that uh, active. Whereas I feel like a teacher in, uh, in a school in, in the Netherlands, that wouldn't necessarily be something that you would always be telling us to because it wouldn't be uh, necessarily wrong. Oh, interesting, that's very interesting. Well, thank you so much for this interview. It's been lovely. And I think um, uh, your point of you can't just translate, I mean, not word by word, but also there are nuance, nuances um, that, uh, for example, your example of the store, um, there are certain nuances that are very different in one language than the other. Yes, absolutely. And so any Dutch entrepreneur or anybody working with Americans really have to take care of what they write, their marketing materials. They can't just translate it. Uh, they really also have to look at the grammar behind it and especially also the nuances behind it. Absolutely. I mean, I would if I were uh, doing the same in the Netherlands, I would want that person to look over everything and just make sure that it passed the Dutch test before yeah. I could actually, you know, feel confident that it was communicating what I wanted it to, to communicate in Dutch. Perfect. Thank you so much for all these insights. This has been wonderful. Really interesting. Uh, so glad to talk with you. 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out DutchAmericanConnection.com for more valuable resources, including a guide on the top 10 tips for doing business in the US. On this website, you can also sign up for my newsletter so you never miss another episode of this podcast. And you'll be the first to know about Dutch American Connection events for Dutch entrepreneurs in the US. So stay tuned for the next episode, which will be released in two weeks. In episode two, I'll talk about the what and the why of intercultural communication. Until then, stay in touch through my website, DutchAmericanConnection.com or through LinkedIn.